Welcome to Stop and Talk, a podcast about connection and building a more vibrant region together through creativity, health, and community. This is your host, Grant Oliphant, the CEO of the Conrad Prebis Foundation. Thanks for joining us. Roxana Velasquez is the executive director and CEO of the San Diego Museum of Art. She's an incredibly passionate advocate, as you'll see, for the arts. Roxana has focused on fostering cross-cultural dialogues within the San Diego community, as well as nationally and internationally. I am thrilled to have her in the studio today. In the past, she shared with me her deep connections with both San Diego and Mexico, and we'll talk a bit about that today as well. I hope to dive into her work, her views of San Diego as a celebrated border town, and her take on where art and culture may go in our region and may take us. Let's jump in. Roxana, I'm so glad that you came by. I really appreciate you stopping in and talking with me today. I want to start off by asking you to share with us something that you're really excited about right now. (laughs) Well... Thank you so much, Grant. Thank you for for including me in this wonderful, wonderful podcast. I am excited about so many things every minute, but I'll try to choose just only one. I knew you would do this. I knew you couldn't (laughs) pick one, (laughs) which is why I asked the question. And I, great. So you, we're we're off to the races. Please. (laughs) So of course, the the Museum of Art, the San Diego Museum of Art, right now is in the midst of a wonderful project. Mm -hmm. And the biggest excitement I have, of course, is to see those plants and those buildings getting alone, Mm -hmm. designed by Norman Foster, one of the, of course, uh, foremost, best Prisker prizes that we have currently, Norman Foster. And the excitement that you will hear in my voice, and that cannot Mm -hmm. be pretended, of course, is because I know that this uh, building will serve our community, our region, And the idea is to open up all the spaces for the community in order to provoke this great joy that art brings to all of us. Uh, I just love that as a springboard into the conversation. So for those who don't know, Norman Foster is a big deal architect. And actually, I'm going to state a proposition which is probably going to land me in hot water and will be instantly controversial. But when I think about the incredible asset that Balboa Park is, one of the things I would say it doesn't embrace is exciting new architecture. It has a notion of historical relevance, which doesn't date back that far, and there's a dogma about preserving that. And you actually, in this new project with the museum and rethinking how your building relates to the park and to the community, are challenging that a bit. So how how was that for you, or how is that for you, or do you know yet? <laughs> yes, it is very interesting. I have been in San Diego 13 years, and if you allow me to give a little introduction, I moved here from Mexico City, yeah. probably one of the largest 
cities in the world, that one that has the most important, largest recollection of art through 1,000 museums. And of course, it dances the daily conversations mm. about historic preservation and incredible buildings from the pre-Columbian dates to contemporary architecture. So how do you combine in a respectful way these two assets? I think uh, Balboa Park is extraordinary, a, a beautiful, gorgeous asset. People call it the jewel of San Diego. I prefer to say the portrait mm. of San Diego mm. because we, the community, right, project and do things that reveal who we are. And indeed, it is fabulous. Our building, those of you that have visited and love it, it's inspired by the Salamanca University in Spain, and it allows you to enter to this gorgeous space crossing the doors of Velázquez, Zurbarán, Murillo, and El Greco probably the greatest artist of the 17th century. And it was done by San Diegans. Mm. They loved this tradition of great artists, great architect. And that's why we love to preserve all these facades and buildings that we'll have to remember they were done to be ephemeral, meaning they were supposed right. to be there not permanently. So how can you bring to the 21st century a space that, of course, today is asking for different, for different requests. Let's just mention the people. The people need to be served right. They need to find a safe space. They need to have harmony in order to be exposed to the great treasures that reside here and almost 100 years ago. So, of course, when we did this architectural contest, we thought about the best. And we invited more than 60 firms, and we review who could understand well that it is crucial to respect history, historical buildings, mm -hmm. but also to integrate modernity and contemporary ways of seeing without diminishing or changing completely. It's about integration. So, of course, I mentioned Mexico City because they are very well known there for that precisely. And I had the fortune of, of leading three national museums there and worked for 20 years before I moved here. And I saw how that dance was danced beautifully. Yeah, and I, I, we're going to talk a little bit about that and your background there because I think it is an important part of your story and of what you bring to San Diego. But you just beautifully encapsulated... I think the sensitivity that somebody would need to bring to get people to see the need, or let me rephrase that, to get people to see the opportunity to build on the past and still reflect the future and the, the, some new ways of doing things, some innovation in design by balancing that with the past. I love how you said that. And that isn't always an easy sell in Balboa Park in the course of its history where it really is the, seen as the jewel of San Diego or the portrait of San Diego. And some people would prefer to see that portrait never change. And others recognize it as a dynamic portrait that exists in time and has to continue to evolve for each new generation. You've been in the park, as you said, for 13 years 
What have you learned from being in Balboa Park, about Balboa Park for that period of time? So I have learned things, and, and of course that I, I am very much um, in agreement, and others that I, I could disagree. Of course, mm-hmm. let me just mention too, the pride that being in a space like that is so important. And I will refer, forgive me, back and forth to the Mexican model, the European model, the international model, mm. because it is very important to, to, to share with your audiences. When you work around the world, you listen and learn that art is a right for every citizen. And when you put it in that manner, to be educated via culture mm. or cultural assets, it's not a privilege, it's not a luxury, it is a duty, and it is a right. Mm. So I am speaking about constitutions of countries, Mm. not of of institutions, but the country of Mexico, Mm. inspired in Europe, right? Asia itself, they write in their constitutions that if everybody needs, not if, Everybody needs to be exposed to art in order to become better citizens and in order to advance knowledge, more or less with some additions here or there. That's what it says. And, and in reality, when you think like that, it, it is just fabulous. Why? When people arrive to Balboa Park and where people are so proud about what we have there, that is a sense that it's very important, and I will repeat it many times, to create the sense of pride, ownership, to unite human beings, mm-hmm. to dance for some reason, which might be the pride of what we did in the past. It's not to accuse. It's not, of course, to criticize. There's always room for improvement. We do know that. But if a setting like the Balboa Park unites us and allows us to find commonalities rather than to be looking for disagreements, that we made it. So the same story goes for the betterment of the place. The place needs refurbishment. Yes, I don't like to talk about maintenance or defer maintenance. (laughs) Forgive me, but my career more than 30 years ago was chosen to be, and I selected to be in the world of beauty, creativity, Mm -hmm. harmony, understanding, tolerance, integrity. It was not to be focused in a restroom that needs maintenance, or it was not, and I have done it. You know it very well, Grant. I've been director. (laughs) I'm an administrator. But that would not be my first choice Mm -hmm. of subject matter. Let's just say this. There is needed deferred maintenance, Mm -hmm. needed, uh, obviously, signaling, and safety. The word safety is the one I want to bring to you because art museums and art is a place where all of us feel or should feel safe. And that is something that we really need these days. Yeah. Well, so much there. And I, I, I just so appreciate what you said a moment ago in terms of the um, the notion of art as a right, which I know is something that you intuited being in Mexico and leading art institutions there. What else would you say you took from your time growing up, in essence, through those institutions in Mexico City that you carry with you into the work here? 
So, so many, many things. And of course, being one of those, that art is a very powerful tool. Probably art is the most powerful thing we humans have. We have one thing that it's called the aesthetic pleasure, whether we know it or not. We are the only species that really enjoy light, harmony, to be educated through gorgeous objects. And when you observe the millions of people that I served in Mexico, millions of peoples over 20 years, crossing the doors from every single walk of life, Mm. not necessarily coming in Mm. cars or trains or airplanes, but everyone with their families and observing the joy that art produces in them, I think that I brought. I really wanted to be able to share with the communities here, the multicultural communities that we have here and the specific location of San Diego. I wanted to, if you, if I might say, uncluttered the pores of the skin to allow them to enjoy this privilege that means be seduced by art, education, creativity. And it is not that artists live in la-la land and that they did (laughs) not see reality. Mm -hmm. This is not, forgive me for the comparison, but this is not Disneyland. Mm -hmm. Artists were at the top, at the highest level in Dante's uh, writings. And the reason is that they saw They had the capacity to see. They were human beings exactly like you and I, with sufferings, with jealous, with real problems, daily life problems of their own maintenance deferrals. But they had this capacity to reconfigure and position the best of life or the worst of life in order to make us all learn and observe and not to repeat what had happened in the past. So it is a part of history, and I must start by saying that everybody should study history. (laughs) Everybody should read a book of history. It is so complex, but I am convinced that that, of course, allows us to grow. And if history is through objects, Mm. gorgeous Mm. objects, then the abstractions, the dipness goes into concrete, tangible glorious landscapes that will excite you and ignite you and make you a better human being. That's what I think. Well, I agree with you completely. Um, I obviously have a less informed perspective on this, but I just think that that is profoundly true. I also think it's an underappreciated truth in the United States. Uh, If you look at the place of art in America compared to the place of art in Mexico City where you were originally working, Art can be appreciated in certain contexts, uh, but the notion of it as the highest form of human thought or the highest form of human expression has not always been a part of this culture. And I'm, I'm curious, especially in the context of you having just celebrated this 13-year anniversary, how, what was it that attracted you from what was arguably one of the Uh, Western Hemisphere's capitals of art appreciation to San Diego, whose story around its museum of art was still, even though it had been around for a few decades, was still forming. 
So, so thank you for asking me that question. Of course, it is a question that many people, <laughs> many ask me. Yeah. Some, of course, celebrating. Others thinking I got uh, crazy when I took this job. <laughs> right, right, Forgive right. me for saying the word. But, of course, what attracted me is very simple. I had the, the big uh, privilege, right, of heading three national institutions for 20 years. Mm. When you say that, you went from the largest exhibitions, negotiations with governments. You mm. do negotiations that from a capital. You have to remember, I come from a capital city, mm. which is, uh, so you have to negotiate with different museums of the world. You have to treat people, as I said, from different walks of life, constantly from presidents to, you know, schools, millions of students from public schools. So it, the array of people you treat and you talk to is magnificent. And mm. that gives you, of course, a whole experience, not to speak about unions mm. or, you mm. know, government right. uh, things that are not so, of course, not necessarily uh, the best attractive things, but it depends or poisoning or pollution. I mean, mm. there are lots of problems that, that of course, challenge you and help you surpass those. Mm. And what, what, what happens uh, here, when I got the call and I was invited, it was not the first time I was invited to the United States. I already participated in many lectures and visited the deep USA. I would mention you just uh, Georgia, Athens, Georgia, Paris, Kentucky. I was in St. Petersburg, but Florida, right? So these cities that no, most of people don't know, I was there taking exhibitions mm. and negotiating other than New York and of course DC. So I was invited and I never thought I would move here. Mm -hmm. I never thought here meaning the United States. Right. I would collaborate, we would do exchanges. I had work at LACMA, Via Mexico, I mean, and the rest of the world. But being here and really being shocked by the beauty of that museum, mm -hmm. but an incredible asset mm -hmm. that I did not know after 20 years working from China to Latin America, from Qatar to from Mexico City with the world, I did not know that San Diego, who's very well known because of the zoo and SeaWorld, had a museum. So if people say, is San Diego a cultural place? I smile because, of course, I came here with that attitude right, that it right. was not about culture. So, of course, it was about the border, which I hope we'll have we'll talk five about minutes that, yes. about that. <laughs> we will. But the border, for me, I was not a border girl. I mm. was a capital girl, yeah, you have yeah. to remember. So to see this collection in front of my eyes of the best masterpieces from the Spanish golden age, which was my studies, curatorial mm. background as art historian, where you saw Murillos and Grecos and Valdez Leal and Rivera. You saw that collection and learning that the largest collection of Toulouse-Lautrec, the dancer the, of Paris that mm. everybody knows, the Cancan, and you've all seen the posters of Jeanne Avril, and you have seen them even in restaurants here in San Diego. When we, I learned that the San Diego Museum of Art has more than 160 Toulouse-Lautrec. Mm. When I learned following the story that we owned Magritte's and Picasso's and 20th century art, plus the largest and most important collection, the most important collection in the world outside New Delhi of Indian Southeast Asian paintings, 1,500 paintings from the 8th century to the 18th, I was shocked. I just mm. said, wait a minute. This has been my life, 20 years, right. and I never heard about San Diego Museum <laughs> of Art. Something needs to happen here, and I saw opportunity. Yeah, well, I, I love that uh, 
that notion of being drawn to the opportunity. I think you just answered the question I was about to ask you, but I'm going to ask you anyway because I think there's an opportunity in here to explore this more fully, which is what do you wish people in San Diego knew about the Museum of Art that they don't always appreciate? So exactly elaborating in my previous answer, San Diegans, locals, but regionals you know, mm -hmm. and international world have been discovering during the last decade. And I must say that because now we measure where people come from, how many times, you know, what, how much time they spend in X or Y painting, what is their favorite show. We survey everything. We're very carefully, of course, bringing data and numbers and surveys, yeah. which of course we have them all for anybody that needs to see it, just Google us. But <laughs> in reality is um, the the fact, Grant, that in this city, San Diego, the San Diego, wonderful, finest city, border place, we have a collection of 35,000 works of art that will allow everybody, of course, the kids, the children, the students, but every adult that has not had a chance to be exposed to the Renaissance, to the Baroque, to what happened in India for eight centuries, every single person that lives here should know that the biggest asset is to be educated with original works of art that are here for all of you and that Everybody could have access to them. We have worked very, very hard to provoke different ways to make art accessible. Technology-wise, language-wise, we teach in 10 languages in that museum. Docents give tours in 10 languages. We have labels in Spanish and English. We want everybody to know that art is not snobbish. Art is not a, you call it here, high eyebrow. That expression <laughs> right, right. does not make sense in Spanish, <laughs> but let's say it. But it's not about snobbishing. It's about understanding who you are, why, and being the most important thing, maybe the last one, proud to mm. create the pride that I was talking about of ownership. We are a city, a wonderful place. This is where we chose to live. This is where your kids and grandkids and neighbors and family will be. Let's elevate them, them and do not say what I heard when I came here. When I left Mexico City, you would imagine that people were celebrating me. They thought I have lost my mind. Mm -hmm. When I arrived here and people... I was talking about the Museum of Art in San Diego and the joy I felt when I saw the collections. People said, okay, Roxana, don't talk like that, San Diegans. This is not the Met, and if we want to see art, we go to the Art Institute of Chicago. Oh, interesting. This is what I heard yeah. here yeah. in San Diego by locals. Yeah. I have not been in the museum. No, no, if I want to see a museum, I'll go to the Met. So I was shocked. Wow. So I thought my biggest challenge is not even budget <laughs> or lack of budget. My biggest challenge is to convince these people that what they have is really important and they need to own it. Yeah. Well, I think you've been successful in that because at least the folks that I've met in the year and a half that I've been here, I've never heard that sentiment expressed. People actually seem to embrace with pride your institution, other institutions in Balboa Park and other assets in San Diego, which 
So that's a shift, and you've clearly been a part of it. So thank you. Makes my work easier in the job that I have to do. Again, you've you've anticipated a question I wanted to ask you, but um, I, I think we need to explore it anyway, which is in this day and age, people tend to think that the answer to every question is available through the Internet, now increasingly through AI, and that if I want to know something or see something, I can see it virtually. And I'm, I would just like to hear from you briefly about why you think an art museum, why art museums, why, why art museums matter still, and, and why these physical places matter. Because for everything you said about that collection, if it were all online, I could see it online, why does coming to San Diego and coming to experience this museum matter for me as a human being? So, of course, we are and we have seen so many revolutions during our lifetime. And one revolution is, of course, the digital experience and the connectivity that also, when I started working, there was a fax. There was fax. I mean, forget about emails, right? right. So now you know my age. <laughs> That's okay. I was, I was right there with you. And maybe, <laughs> maybe so, a little ahead. So, so supposedly today, with all these incredible opportunities of having everything in, in Google. Google will tell us everything mm. and the news and Instagram and this rapid way of, and fast pace that we have. We should be better human beings. We mm. should be, you know, much more magnanimous and honest and we should embrace these big virtues, right? Mm. That's not the case, unfortunately. Uh, I think technology has appeared and is there as a tool to help us get to our final goal, if you will. Technology is fabulous. We have created a virtual museum, as many museums obviously in the United States, but we started a long time ago. Long time before the pandemic, we started doing an app where you could see your museum, what I call your museum, the San Diego Museum of Art, for at your house or wherever you were. You had hypertexts, you have small text, photos, details. Everything was there three years after I arrived here in San Diego. Of course, that allowed us to jump very fast and change when the pandemic hit us, which probably is one of the most challenging moments that we all have faced in this mm. generation. But of course, technology is again, as I say, a tool. It will give you some context. It can, the same with concerts, live concerts, live performances. But to be in front of the object, to cross the doors of a space that is called architecturally perfect and remember I am I plead I live I breathe for culture it's not for one painting or one sculpture it's for art at the highest level with a capital which includes cultural expressions poetry literature music you know visual so my life has of course been among those cultural aspects because we are not half people we are completely harmonious and we need to understand understand the context. If you want to be really uh, absolutely seduced by a work of art, a painting, if you knew what music was played at the time, what poetry or sonnets were written, what was even the food that people enjoy, that will give you such a different perspective that this is a common thing done by humans, probably contemporary, probably from ancient times, but it is much more enjoyable. It's 
a delight to understand what are you seeing through these easy conversations. Number one, architectures, buildings, museums, they are the temples of today's world. Mm. Before we went to churches, we have to go back in history to the Parthenon in Greece, where the conversations happened, where was Socrates and Plato creating? What about Shakespeare? They needed to be surrounded by beauty. Mm. So yeah, I, I am the biggest defender, defensor or defender, 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 thank you, of beauty and harmony. Mm. If you cross the door of a building and you see that projection, that incredible creation. Just imagine the Vatican or any church you like, Notre Dame in Paris, which was, of course, and it's now being part of restoration. You need to have that. Immediately, your senses are in a different scale. You are prepared. I said it already. You uncluttered your own pores and skin and start opening the senses because it is about senses, what we will enjoy. We all have an iPhone or, or a device and you could see a photo and, and, and you know get closer to the place, but you are missing this energy that objects carry. And I start with penetrating a building because that's why I talk about for architecture in that way. It embraces you, architecture or space or atrium or wherever you want to see in life pyramid but you have to be surrounded by that kind of energy and that's what I invite the audiences you say you have seen my Giorgione our Giorgione a portrait of a renaissance artist on side by side with Leonardo da Vinci that exists here in Balboa Park at the San Diego Museum of Art. They are eight in the world, mm. and we own one. You can see it online, yes. Do you think it's the same excitement as to see it frontally, observe direct eye to eye? The sight of this character that looks at you no matter how far left or right you move in front of the painting, there's something to be said about the energy that resides in spaces and objects that have been there for centuries yeah i i think people sometimes forget in this world the truth of I, I wish they could see the intensity in your eyes as you're talking about this this is a podcast so we can't do that but the you you just capture so uh perfectly what it is that it means to be in a place that there is something fundamentally different about physically experiencing anything and being in a particular place where you where you can see it and touch it and feel it and smell it and and as you said be up close to the art and know that's one of the one of one of eight by that artist in the world that's an extraordinary experience and it is transporting in ways that the internet can't be now interestingly our place you touched on this earlier our our san diego one of the things that makes it distinctive is that we are a border town. Uh, and we actually are a tri-national community because we've got, obviously, the border with Mexico, but we've also got the presence of a substantial indigenous community in San Diego County. And there's a, con a convergence and a coming together that one experiences here differently than if you just heard about it or read about it. What does being a border town mean to you in running a museum of art, a substantial portion of the art of which is about the meeting of those two and even three cultures? 
So uh, museums and art museums, and this is an interesting conversation, use and the, the mission is to represent cultures. We need to remember that in the galleries of most of the American museums, our national museums in the United States, we exhibit side by side contemporary art or international art. I just mentioned Southeast Asian paintings from the 8th or 9th century. I mentioned a painting of the 16th century by El Giorgione, but I can turn around my face and think about Diego Rivera, the Mexican muralist, or Jose Clemente Orozco, this amazing movement of muralism that we all know, the Mexican three great artists, but there are many more. So how do you, and, and I don't want to skip the, the, the sense of East Asia, the incredible tradition of calligraphy. When you observe the ink paintings that are calligraphically beautifully, and that's a tradition in China that has gone for centuries. And we had the big opportunity to have one of the experts here in San Diego that we invited from Beijing, the, the director from the Center of Fine Arts in, in Beijing, Kafa was the name. And Mr. Pangong Kai arrived and said, Roxana, this collection of Chinese paintings that you own in San Diego is stellar. That's not my background. I know very little about that. I couldn't distinguish. But we brought the biggest, foremost expert in the world. And he said that our collection needs to be published and needs to be, of course, brought to light. So again, we are in a room or in rooms. We are talking about 23 galleries that expose all the time, permanently, mm -hmm. with all respect, this diversity of cultures. Art historians need to study art in the world, and it's not who's better than the other, or why are you better because you're a Picasso and you're a mogul painting. That doesn't happen in museums. Mm -hmm. 2020 brought us all these conversations in museums about why are you not respecting women artists, or why are you not having African-American artists? And I was part of multiple conversations, invited to multiple universities, of course, via Zoom, mm -hmm. as you can guess. And, yeah. But it was very interesting because I was surprised and shocked that this conversation, conversations even arrived because I did not change, right, the, what was exhibited. I was not part of the directors that decided to sell, let me put an example, a Picasso because he was an offensive artist, mm. a misogynist, and these things, and to change a Rothko because he was white. These conversations were very delicate, mm -hmm. but I said the museum in San Diego every single day has women artists, exhibits African art, indigenous art, and it's constantly. We don't do this just to please the quandaries or the queries of today. You need to come and visit we connect with the communities. We, not only the border, which I'll get back to the border with Mexico. Mm -hmm. It's an obvious bridge that you will understand hearing me. But of course, the Iranian communities. Grant, we open up uh, the large community of Persian, American Iranians here, and we embrace their traditions, and we have connected with them. What I think is Every museum of art has to look into their community mm. and see who's there because we represent our community. I cannot do what Baltimore 
is doing there or Philadelphia because I am San Diego, I am California, and I have to look to another border. And also I have to look what I just said, the fabulous Iranian American community that lives here and that I had, of course, due to my ignorance before I arrived here, any clue. So we have hundreds of Iranian Persian Americans that have their own festivity at the San Diego Museum of Art, and they have created a full gallery and helped us acquire pieces of art of women, of course, Iranian, and also restore mosaics and, you know, objects that we have from Istanbul and Koran with the same respect for one as for the other. Yeah. So I, I really believe that art museums are a huge asset for all of us to understand, get to know cultures, and of course, get rid of our prejudices. There's a lot of prejudices Mm -hmm. uh, from both sides, and I think it's a big opportunity. The border, Tijuana, Baja California, imagine I had never been there before I moved to San Diego. Of course, I was in the capital city. When I started observing that big asset, I had so many things, and I've spoken about this proximity in many ways, but there's a dual, there's a paradox in the San Diegans. Some talk about Tijuana as a daily narrative, but others just don't know it exists. They turn the back, and it's like a non-subject. It's very complex. Don't think I am, you know, I know very well the complexities in many ways that this entails to be side by side. When I arrived, there was no CBX. Today, you use the CBX, and as I was describing, you just take planes in and out, right? It's a very different uh, endeavor now, and and it is very easy. But I think it's, it's a big opportunity to open our eyes and learn about culture and traditions. Remember traditions as tangible and non-tangible. Non-tangible, the food. The food, the music, the oral traditions. So we could learn on that because everybody seems to love those traditions, but it is it would be great to understand how things happen at the other side of the border. Likewise, I think San Diego has a lot to teach in the way we work, just starting by what I mentioned, Minister of Culture or private institutions. At the highest level, art institutions, music, art work in different manners. As a museum, what have we done? We have done exhibitions in Tijuana, in the Maquiladoras, There's a big array of maquiladoras, and as you know better than me, probably, I did not know that. But of course, it is about Samsung, and it is about heart valves, and it is about an incredible, uh, splendid space. When I arrived, we took some uh, reproductions of our works in order to be at those factories and explain what existed here. Of course, because they are factories, there was an idea of, uh, of Don Jose Galicot. It was not my idea. It's a guy that created Tijuana Innovadora. Mm. But in the same way, I gave lectures and I invited artists from Tijuana to arrive to the museum and have conversations. Again, we are so different. I have to say this very clear. Mexicans and Americans as a culture are so different, Mm. almost opposites. 
And remember, that's exactly what advances knowledge. Mm -hmm. You have to be in opposite sides. You have to have dialectic mm -hmm. in order to advance. But I smile because we think we know each other and we really don't. I have the great pleasure and, of course, of having been in both worlds and try, obviously, to combine the best of both. Is there anything that shocked you the most in terms of what those differences were when you came here? Yes, I will answer you in a joke, if I may. Uh, yes, to have to eat my lunch while I was working and deciding an endowment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Point taken. Okay, understood. <laughs> I uh, and I, I. By the way, I, I think it. Uh, I think it. It needs to be called out that. Uh, that despite superficial differences, I mean, superficial similarities and ways in which we may seem like to understand the differences in culture is also important. But I think, I think what you're saying is that art can play a significant role in helping us understand that and bridge those differences. Are you seeing more of that in, in museums of art around the country now? Absolutely. And art has helped a lot. Let me just get back again to Mexico. But again, I speak about the world because I come from this international background. But yes, you see an exhibition of Frida Kahlo in any place and in any way, whether it's reproductions, digital versions, or the real oils, mm. and everybody will revere and understand what is the Mexican culture. Mm. So art is just a, a little conduit mm. to understand because it triggers curiosity. You see the magnificence of Diego Rivera in the Detroit Art Institute, mm. or here in the Bankers Club in San Francisco, and then you arrive and see the paintings that we have at the museums, and Diego Rivera becomes a normal conversation. Mm -hmm. That's that's one example of ambassadorial roles that art might play. But but of course, we do trips constantly to with my institution mm -hmm. and the board members and we have these conversations with incredible thinkers or just regular people, journalists, and in the end as I say, art does not recognize borders. Art has nothing to do with borders. Since the beginning of the times, right, the Romans were learning from the Greeks and they created their vases modeling after the Greeks. There's no recognition. I can tell you what is Roman, what is Greek, but not everybody will. And at Frida Kahlo, the majority of the greatest paintings, let me say that clear and loud, were done in the United States. Mm. The majority of the great paintings by mm. Frida Kahlo were done, were here. done here. Nobody knows that, Grant. Yeah. And it is not about Soloscuintles or Coyoacan or yeah. all those traditions. But I believe there's a huge amount of people and new generations that understand today's world. It's yeah. much more global. There are no differences. You know, the home office story or the or abroad, the students that have to go abroad. The world, I think, has shrinken. Mm. It has really reduced, and borders is something from the past. So when I see the Tijuana and, and the San Diego conversation, it reminds me that, of comes course. comes up in that context. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> what can, what can uh, museums of art like yours, or just specifically what is yours doing in terms of elevating new and different voices? 
So communities, as I said, are all welcome in the museum. Mm. We invite all the different communities, not just the three you mentioned, but we really want to open up that space right. to the Asian and Far East Asian you know, communities that are here, the Laos communities that arrive. We take the museum outside the the of course, the premises of the museum. For example, we created a long time ago a project in, in uh, Logan Heights and Barrio Logan, a radio station precisely, because we wanted to hear the voices of art from there. We have done multiple experiences. The Latin American Mother Masters, for example, brought to the museum lots of graffiti and mural painters mm. that were painting that, and we gave them the museum to paint. So we are trying, of course, to avoid these barriers and create, and there are multiple examples. The Terra exhibition that just ended last year, I think you met the artist, I think you were there with me, Chilenian Fernando Casasempere, mm. that was talking about climate mm. and and uh, the, the, the global problem of destroying the earth. We created a full gallery for the community to opine, mm. to write and do essays regarding the subject matters that were there. Yeah. I spoke about beauty and harmony and intelligence one way, but today, of course, many artists are talking about current problems mm. and they land us in the tragic things that we're trying to call our attention as Fernando Casasempere, who now is a board member. I'm mm. very happy. We have in, at the board artists now. And we saw the response from the people. We saw thousands of answers from our community and we are trying to attract in different manners and also grant we free up the entrance we spoke about freeing up the entrance in museums and the right to be exposed to art and and when i arrived working very hard and with foundations of course we were able to free up every entrance to students 17 and under which was never the case. I was about to ask you about yes. youth. Yeah, yeah. yeah, nobody, the, the, the museum was had a price, obviously, because the reason is we need, of course, to fulfill a budget. That's the reality and the concreteness. But, uh, of course, opening up that space, if there are multiple barriers, maybe intimidations, if you don't have to pay a ticket, that really helps. Yeah. And the art is here and was given by our founders for this community to be educated and, of course, learned and better. So that's why. So I am trying every day with my part of my work to get funds in order to keep on freeing and freeing up more days. Always the museums have one day a month, but I would like to do it more broadly. And getting back to the first question, my big excitement, the new building, if I may say, the most, the biggest excitement I have, if I imagine that already built and done and open, is that we intend to have it free for everybody. Those new galleries, those new spaces will not have a ticket so everybody could find a safe space a gathering space, learn about these treasures of the past or the future, and of course, feel what does it mean to be in a great architectural design and feel the pride of being a San Diegan. Yeah, that, that is a terrific aspiration, and I think one worthy of the San Diego that we're both trying to bring about and that San Diego, uh, I think, at this point also deserves. I I could go on with these questions forever, but we're we're out of time. I do have one more question though. I'm I'm interested in connecting 
the building and you. Um, so it is one of the things I've learned over the years in working with people who are working on big projects is that the, th the things we build express who we are or who we want to be in the world. And so this new building is an expression of something that the San Diego Museum of Art wants to be and of the legacy that you hope to be creating. Uh, and it's way too early to start because you're you're so young, but it's way too early to start talking about legacy, but we're creating it all the time. And you've been here for 13 years now, and you're going to leave a mark on Balboa Park uh, with this, uh, a really positive mark on Balboa Park with this building. What is the one quality you hope the building will express that you also hope will express who you have been in this role? So I think before I mention it, but it's the openness, the lack of barriers, mm -hmm. the transparency, the light that will take the art to the plaza or to the street. It has to be open and easy. You, you can penetrate the building whenever you want. Mm -hmm. The first thing I said, I don't want a cloister, mm -hmm. and we understand the security and the insurance and all that, but I want everybody to say, that is my place, and that mm -hmm. is where I want to come here repeatedly. It's about lightness in the sense of it's not a massive, concrete, you know, shout out Frank Gehry building. I love Gary, don't get me wrong, but we are not in that place. It yeah. is really an embracing place that will bring the great collection of 35,000 works of art so far to everyone here. So that is the, the idea, really. And it is that nothing is trying to prevent me to go into the museum. That is my safe space, and that's where I want to be. And here I will come again and again. And Grant, I've said this before, we are not creating a building because we want people to come. We already have the people in the museum, but we lack services and space to serve well Mm. these audiences. I know the it will be multiplied, the audiences, but that's not the reason. People are there already, queue up in the museum, and that in itself, it's my biggest joy and legacy to see those galleries packed. And you have been with me, and you know what Art Alive means, and 15,000 people in the museum observing art. Yeah. What could be better in two days? It's, it's quite extraordinary, and it's a good place for us to end because it's such a hopeful thought about how many people are taking advantage of the Museum of Art. Roxanne, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to stop and talk with me and to do what you're doing. Uh, I am the newcomer between us, and I have just been so impressed by your infectious enthusiasm in your work, and I have enjoyed this conversation for the same reason. Thank you so much, Grant. Thank you to everybody. And remember, we'll expect you there at the San Diego Museum of Art, your museum. All right. There was so much in this conversation, it's almost hard to do justice to it. But here are a few thoughts that I think are worth dwelling on as we leave this interview with Roxana. The first is just how passionate and intense she was on the subject of art itself and the role it plays in our society and, her, and, and in our culture. 
Her notion that art is so fundamental that it should be a right was powerful to me. I think we sometimes underestimate what the role of beauty and culture can do in our understanding of ourselves, and that was her point around why it should be a right, not just a tool to accomplish other things, but a virtue and a value in its own right to bring out our humanness. I think that's why her spirited defense of being in the physical proximity of art resonated so deeply, at least for me, because there is something transformative about great art and being with it as opposed to just seeing it or hearing about it or, or hearing it on the radio. Being in the, in the venue um, transports us in ways that, that seeing it from a distance doesn't. I think the second thing that emerged for me from this interview that was exceptionally powerful is what art does when we're in that space and experiencing it at its, at its greatest. I loved her phrase that she used at one point about how it unclutters the pores of our skin. It helps open us up, was what she said. It, it frees us up to appreciate what we're seeing and what we're experiencing, and even in a way to experience ourselves. She talked about how art is is part of us, uh, and and in experiencing it, we get to see the world with a slightly different perspective. We get to see the world with a slightly different knowledge, and that this role of art in our society is not highbrow, as she said, but rather is really fundamental to helping us more deeply understand the, the, the complexity of the world that we're living in and how we relate to it. She actually at one point used this phrase that art museums can be the temples of today's world because they're repositories for beauty and harmony at a time when we so desperately need those qualities in our lives and in ourselves. Maybe the third theme that I would extract from this interview that I would like to leave us all with, and this I think came up over and over and over again, is the role of art in helping us to bridge our differences and see each other differently. She spoke uh, uh, about Balboa Park and the role of the museum in Balboa Park, but about all of the institutions in the park as being a space of coming together and to appreciate things in a new light. She talked about how uh, the, the, the physical experience of being there um, in that place, in Balboa Park, in the museum, with the art, helped people understand each other differently and their own narratives and stories differently. She talked about how um, San Diego is a border town, and I thought our conversation about that was especially interesting because we, we talked about, of course, Mexico and the United States, and on that she called out that our cultures are similar and also remarkably different. And I thought her example about in the United States having to uh, having to mix um, the experience of having lunch with also working on your work 
and thinking about the future of the institution and thinking about how to secure an endowment. You know, it's that perfect, it's perfect contrast between a culture that celebrates each moment and one that focuses on work in each moment. And I wish we'd had more time to explore that, but she was calling out ways in which we need to and can more deeply understand each other as two cultures sitting across the border from each other. But then she also blew up the idea of being a border town or even a a tri-national community by, by pointing to the Iranian Persian collection in the museum, the Chinese art in the museum, the Asian Indian art in the museum, all of the different types of experience of art that, as she said, demonstrated the the fact that art does not respect borders. And I thought that was a really powerful idea for us as we think about the times that we're living in and how we can better understand people who are unlike us Art is clearly one of the vehicles for doing that. And she talked even about the role of art in helping us getting get rid of our prejudices and again, come to understand that uh, we are we're all in this together, even as we better appreciate the ways in which we're different. We concluded this interview with her, describing her hopes for the expansion or, or, um, of, the, of the Museum of Art within Balboa Park uh, and what she hoped that reflected about her own leadership. And I, I think the notion that she set forth of a place that is open, transparent, and light is perhaps the best and most succinct way of describing the powerful role of art in our lives and of a forward-thinking museum of art like we're privileged to have here in San Diego. Thanks for listening. Join us next time, and please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast. Stop and Talk is a project of the Conrad Prebis Foundation, It is produced by Crystal Page and Adam Greenfield. It is engineered by Adam Greenfield and recorded in the Voice of San Diego Studios. Thanks again.